0: All right, today's scripture reading is from Isaiah 41 through 11. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hands double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like flower of the field. Their grass withers. The flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God, See the Lord God come with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. So this is is Advent Sunday, uh, number two. Um, it, throughout the, the the season of Advent, each Sunday has a different theme that it integrates. Uh, the first Sunday is hope. And so last Sunday, we talked a little bit about hope. Uh, this Sunday is peace. And peace is uh, it's a bit of an abstract concept. We know it when we feel it, and we know it when we want it. But still, a bit of a challenging uh, challenging topic to, to dissect. Um, and so we turn to the prophet Isaiah. Once again, we talked through Isaiah last week. We turn back to the prophet Isaiah this week, um, and, and Isaiah might seem like a confusing place to be for Advent. You know, where's where's the Luke chapter two passage, little Jesus born in a in a manger, uh, and and all of this stuff. Well, we're not there yet. That's Christmas. Jesus' birth, that is the birth of Christ, Christmas. We're not quite there yet. We have this moment of anticipation, this, this time of preparation that we are in right now. That is Advent, the time of waiting, the time of that which is coming. And so the first Advent, if you will, took place... In the kingdom of Israel, well, really beyond the kingdom of Israel, among the people of God who were known as the Israelites, uh, as they found themselves in exile. So, I've heard this little bit of history uh, that I power through far too often, but it's, it's absolutely crucial to understand Advent in its history so that we might dive into Advent in its present Israel uh, becomes a nation after the Exodus. They become a nation, and then their nation splits in two, and after their nation splits in two, other great empires start rising up around them. The first is the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrian Empire comes in and overthrows the northern kingdom of Israel, properly titled Israel and tries to take over the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, but they are unable to. Judah withstands because another empire is is raising up and they are the Babylonians. And we, we hear about the Babylonians a lot in this kind of text. That's because they were the ones who completely wiped out uh, Israel. Um, to the point where the only, ones who, uh, the only Israelites who were left were either enslaved or exiled, thrown into, uh, displaced, thrown out of their home to wander the earth and try to settle down somewhere else. Um, then, after the Babylonians overthrow Israel, and Israel is in this moment that we call the exile, a third kingdom rises up, the Persian Empire. And the Persian Empire uh, ends up seeing that Israel has been kicked out of their homeland, and the Persian King Cyrus says, we don't really have any need for you as slaves. Go and do whatever you want. And so the Israelites are able to return home, and this is what they've been waiting for. But here where we are in Isaiah, we're not quite there yet. The people of Israel have been thrown into chaos and, uh, and are left in complete despair, And a question begins to arise in this about what does it mean to be God's people? This is the question that the Israelites have to wrestle with because up until this point in their history, they have been known as God's chosen ones. The people of God. They have been known as those who have found God's favor, and God has been leading them on to greater and greater heights. God is the one who who gave them this covenant of the promised land. God is the one who led them in the exodus out of Egypt. God is the one who who established them as a great uh, kingdom. And now, all of a sudden, where is God? Now, all of a sudden, the people of Israel are left questioning, okay? I thought I thought we were the good guys. Why is all this bad stuff happening to us? Why do bad things happen to good people? We won't get that philosophical today, but but we do turn to the question about what does it mean to be God's people? And in order to answer that question, we have to start with the question who are God's people? Our, um, our passage in Isaiah begins with the, the expression, "'Comfort, O oh comfort my people,' says your God.'" Okay, so first off, we know there are people who are God's people. God is claiming a people right here and now. "'Comfort, oh p- comfort my people.'" And this is going to be an expression that we're going to uh, come up against throughout all of Advent. Our entire Advent sermon series is structured around this expression of God's people. Last week, we had the, uh, the sermon was, come for your people. And we had this reminder uh, from Isaiah saying, God, don't forget, we are your people. Here in Isaiah, God is saying, comfort my people. Take heart. Find peace. So, to be God's people, that is kind of a, an impactful claim, because right now the people of Israel do not feel so much like they have that status, like they are God's people. They have gone through the year 2020... Seven or eight times over. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if, if 2021 was also exactly like the year 2020? And then 2022 was the exact same as the year 2020, with just greater and greater chaos mounting and mounting. And so the people of Israel are having to contend with all of this chaos that's going on in their world, the fact that they no longer have an identity. Because everything about who they are that was, that was rested in their kingdom in the promised land for so long has been eradicated. And so the concept of being God's people is very loose right now. Because right now, it sure feels a whole lot to the Israelites that like they are Babylon's people. Because they are the ones who are enslaved in Babylon and who are having to work for uh, the Babylonian kings. Except for those who manage to, to get away and then they just have even less of an identity because they are just wanderers and nomads. So, what does this mean for us today? That's always where we have to take things uh, when it comes to biblical history. Well. That's, that's all great and good, but this is just a history lesson unless we find some application today. We've been through our own kind of exile this year, and you've heard me say this uh, a couple of times before, in which we, in kind of a reverse exile, uh, were told we had to stay at home. Um, Wonderful. That, That all seemed very nice and exciting until we realized how complicated it is to just stay at home for way too long with all of our family members and all of their chaos and not getting to do what we want. And even after the stay-at-home orders were lifted, things still were just enough uncomfortable that we're still not very happy with the place that we are. And then we see our brothers and sisters across the globe and even neighboring uh, states who are starting to return to this. Southern California had another stay-at-home order placed on them yesterday, I think. And it begins to raise up fears. What about us? Is our turn going to come for that as well as COVID-19 continues uh, to rise in numbers again and again, and we are left asking, where is God? Well, that's the question we asked last week, and now we ask, what does it mean to be God's people? Well, first, God gives this message to the prophet Isaiah. To give to the people. Comfort. Comfort my people. God says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term. In other words, that the time of resolution is upon them. That her penalty is paid. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Okay, what does all of that mean? Do we have any, anybody who likes to, to interpret what's just been said here? because it's, it's a little confusing, and it gets even more confusing. Uh, uh, verse six, a voice says, cry out. And I, Isaiah says, what shall I cry? And then there's this, all people are grass, and their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. Okay, so Isaiah is, uh, is a book that is filled with poetic symbolism. Filled with it, it's, it's a book of poetry. At uh, some points there are historical accuracies, but largely it is a book of poetry that is trying to call out to the people to get them to realize deeper truths. Now, we know that whenever Israel was able, found their resolution, and whenever God was revealed in glory, aka at Christmas, the first Christmas when the Christ child was born, mountains were not made low and valleys were not raised up. Those same mountains and valleys are still present even in some instances more prominent than before. So, uh, and so we have this, this uh, metaphorical imagery that God is trying to connect with the people because we are finite creatures and God who is infinite is trying to connect with us. We have this, uh, these metaphors provided for us that we might connect with what God is trying to say, which is that God is willing to do anything to get to us to even lower the mountains and even raise up the valleys. That even in the wilderness, a path will be made for God to lead God's people back to comfort, to peace. This is the message that, that, the, that the Israelites have been waiting for for far too long, that there is an end to their suffering. Sometimes we might wonder as we edge closer to the end of 2020, is there an end to our suffering? Is, there, is uh, I saw a really funny uh, post on social media that, uh, that had a person staring at a clock at 11:59 PM on, on January, um, excuse me, on, on uh, December 31st, waiting for New Year's. And then the clock turns to midnight and it says the 13th month, first day of 2020. if it's just going to keep going. We might be feeling a similar concern. Is there an end to our suffering in all of this? And God's message is that of comfort, take heart, find peace, because I am coming for you. I'm coming to comfort you. And the people of Israel need to hear this message because of one crucial fact that gets broken down as soon as Jesus steps on the field. And it's that God's people are not limited to just the people of Israel. Can anybody tell me who God's people are? It's everyone. There isn't a human being alive who is not a child of God. There isn't a human being who has ever walked across this earth who is not God's own. And so this is the message that that Israel has to contend with, and they do contend with it uh, in in multiple points, to say that to be God's people is to recognize that you are not the only people of God. And so they receive this message of comfort, but it's for a more important reason. It's so so that the people of Israel might be able to take this message to the rest of the world. Their return home is going to end up being the most dissatisfactory experience uh, that they could have imagined. Uh, so, so eventually, Israel's suffering does come to a conclusion, and they do get to return home, and there and they, they find that the temple of God has been destroyed, and they have to rebuild their entire lives, and as they do so, they are, are, are uh, increasingly disappointed with their circumstances. In some points, they even say it would have been better for us to just stay in exile than to have to deal with all of this, because sometimes we like to romanticize the grass is always greener on the other side. But what they do end up realizing whenever they do come to terms with their new experience is that their lot in life isn't to be just simply restored to greatness a little conceited, don't you think, that we might just be restored to greatness. No, instead, the message that Israel has to receive is that all of humanity is meant to receive this same comfort. So, in, in Isaiah's passage here, in, I, in Isaiah 40, we have, starting out in the first half, is God speaking to speaking to the people uh, of Israel through Isaiah, so that we then get to uh, verse 9, get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. We have this moment in which the message of comfort is given to the people of God so that the people of God can then take it to, guess what, the entirety of the people of God. That becomes their responsibility. The message in Isaiah shifts from this this, uh, Israel-centric message of comfort my people to this globally encompassing message in which Israel is meant to be the herald of good tidings. Guess what? Israel becomes the herald of good tidings as the Savior of the world is born within her. Israel becomes the herald of good tidings as the Savior of the world is resurrected within her. And so this message of comfort and peace today is meant for the church right now. I want you to hear that today. Comfort, O oh people of God. Receive peace. For God is returning. For God is coming to heal. But this message isn't one that we just take and say, mm, that feels nice. I'm glad to hear that. It's now one that we have a responsibility over. Uh-oh. pastor's about to ask us to do something. This message of comfort isn't just for us to hold on to. It's for us to take to a high mountain and herald these good tidings. The gospel is how that translates in the Hebrew. To lift up our voice with strength. To not fear. To say to the cities, here is your God. Receive this comfort. Verse 11 and God will feed his flock like a shepherd and will gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. There's this moment at the end of this that we receive this comfort that says, this is for all of us. So, so we're, we're in this season, right, of, of gift giving um, where you know, we have a table out, outside here where we are donating toys so that they may be given. We are also in a season of receiving. Um, some of y'all probably do gifts for one another during this season, uh, just to kind of celebrate one another and because that's for some reason what, what we do during this time. And, and I wonder what that feels like. Do you prefer to give gifts or do you prefer to receive gifts? And I know that everybody's probably thinking, oh, well, I like to give gifts more. That uh, makes me feel good. I like to give gifts. But secretly, most people, I would, I would be so bold to say, most people are like, no, I really like to get gifts. It makes me feel even better. I like to receive. I want more. Maybe. I don't know, I'm not, not going to generalize and say this is for everybody, but I would wager that most people like even if it's a secret dark side of ours, we like to receive more than we like to give. Well, here in this message of comfort, God is challenging us to be a people who want to give this message just as much as we want to receive this message, that this message of comfort and peace is for more than just me and more than just you. This is a global message And so as we keep hearing that cliche that comes up around this time of year, don't forget the reason for the season, recognize that remembering the reason for the season, if you will, is to acknowledge our responsibility in taking the gospel to the world from a high mountain Zion, herald of good tidings, to declare this gospel to the world. And so that's my challenge for us today, is simply that to receive this good news of comfort and peace, that at the end of all of this, there is an end, that at the end of all of this, it might not be the most satisfactory end that we were hoping for, but at the end of all of this, there will be comfort, there will be peace because God is coming, because as we will declare in our liturgy in just a moment, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. So with that being said, let us go to the Lord together in prayer.